Their business startup was based on turning trash into treasure by upcycling architectural salvage. They were saving America's past for America's future. And as their business grew, it also turned into a hit reality TV show. In a moment, my special guests, Mike Whiteside and Robert Culp, will tell you all about their amazing journey of how they built their incredible business, Black Dog Salvage. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Mike Whiteside and Robert Culp are the co-owners and founders of Black Dog Salvage, located in the beautiful rolling hills of Roanoke, Virginia. You might have seen them on the popular reality TV show, Salvage Dogs, on the DIY network. It's a fun show. You get to follow them on their adventures and watch them reclaim cool architectural elements from buildings headed for the wrecking ball. Basically, they help keep those special pieces out of the landfill and prepare them for a second act. And you get to watch how some of those reclaimed materials actually get transformed into a one-of-kind furniture piece that can add a lot of personality to your home and be a great conversation starter. But before we dive more into their entrepreneurial journey, let me tell you a little bit about Mike and Robert. Mike Whiteside has an eclectic background. He's a former Navy parachute rigger and traveled the world serving our country. His love of travel and the sea also led him to a 15-year career as a professional sailor and yacht captain. Other unique jobs include ski lift operator and chair seat weaver. Interestingly, that creativity is now channeled into tackling design challenges and helping customers create special treasures from the company's salvage items. And his master rigging skills from the Navy come in handy too, often providing a safety net during salvage operations where no task is impossible, and he's been known to say, go big, go hard, go fast, or go home. But Mike does know his limits. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Mike. Uh, hey, Hannah, how are you? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. Mike, you're co-owner in Black Dog Salvage. Robert Culp also has a fascinating background and a Navy connection. He's a former naval officer with a degree in building construction from Virginia Tech. He has a real passion for architectural detail and a terrific understanding of the value of those reclaimed building parts. He's all about attention to detail. Robert is also a Class A general contractor, and that lets him offer solid advice and services for period restorations, whether it's a new house with a vintage vibe or blending a new addition into an existing home to make it look and feel like it's always been there. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Robert. Good to be here. Thank you. Well, it's a special treat to have you both with us today, and I just can't wait to hear more about how you started your business, because that's what this is all about, that whole entrepreneurial journey. Mike, tell us about how Black Dog Salvage got started. Well, it's uh, obviously uh, uh, 16 years ago, I guess it was. Uh, it was truly kind of an accident, and uh, I wish I could say that it was uh, it was truly a, a thought-out process, but I had, uh, had finished a career in the yachting business and my wife is from Roanoke uh, 
So we moved up here to raise our kids, and I needed something to do. So I wanted to build a garage, and I ran into Robert. He uh, gave me some advice but wouldn't build the garage for me. I still don't understand that one. But uh, uh, that was probably a very good choice on his part. It's probably why we're working together today. But it was a uh, it was just a twist of fate. Um, I uh, I was looking for a, a, an opportunity to do something different in an area that I'd never lived before, and I met somebody who was from this area that had a, a base here, and so it was really kind of a serendipity that we uh, we ran into each other and and had a lot of similar interest uh, uh, and history, you know, Navy. Uh, uh, family situation, the whole bit was very parallel, and so we uh, we hit it off right away, and and decided that you know let's uh, let's try let's try something different, and we and we we went in together on one house, and that's what started Black Dog Savage. So Robert, what was your first impression when you met Mike? Well, <laughs> yeah, he called like he said he called me up to uh, to give him it really just wanted advice. He's one of those guys that wanted to take advantage of a poor contractor and and uh, get all his his knowledge and then just do it himself. So that was uh, that was the first <laughs> that was that was the first tip off. And uh, actually, it was probably more our Navy connection. I I told Mike if if he took me to lunch, I'd tell him everything I knew about building in uh, Roanoke County, and which is where he was planning on building his. Uh, his garage and uh in the process of just talking about our experience and everything else we were talking about uh you know what other opportunities were out there and we we got on the subject of salvage and whether it was really architectural salvage or just old things hey there's just so many things getting thrown away out there and at about that time there had been a house being offered for uh for free if somebody wanted to move it that was in downtown Roanoke and it turned out it was a pretty fabulous house um it just was in the wrong place, and it was really one of the oldest houses in Roanoke of the of the old railroad barons, and all the rest of them had been torn down, and uh, so this one was going to be torn down or moved, and Mike and I just decided that we needed to, to go out there and get the salvage rights for it. We didn't do a whole lot more thinking than that. Mike had a Mike had a forklift, and I had a dump truck and some skid steers for my construction business, and we both were just dumb enough to think it was just as simple as that, and there we went. There you were. So what personal habits have contributed to your success, Robert? Well, I, you know, it, I, I've mentioned before to a lot of people that the, the Navy gave me a lot of, a lot of uh, organizational skills, or at least I think I have them. And uh, being organized and being able to put my fingers on, on information or contacts, especially as far as being able to know who to call, uh, has been a real edge for me, in my opinion, and it helps me keep me sane as well, just knowing that I can put my fingers on the information I'm looking for. So uh, that's what I concentrate on specifically, some, sometimes to uh, my detriment, I guess, uh, trying to get myself organized and make sure that I have all the information I need to provide to others and uh, keep people on track. Well, good time management and certainly a, a network is very, very important. Mike, what are your thoughts about your personal habits that have contributed to your success? Well, uh, you know, what Robert said is, is true, he, and, and that's where he and I really uh, kind of complement each other. He's got the organizational skills, and I'm the uh, loose cannon on deck and, and in a good way. Uh, n- uh, nothing short of hard work, really, is, is uh, in this particular business, or really any business, is making a commitment to do a job, to see it through, 
to uh, do what you said you were going to do, you need you need to show up, and you need to show up with a good attitude and and a uh, excitement for what's what's coming. And this was way before the show. I mean, we uh, uh, we we were in business uh, 12, 13 years before we started the the show, and 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 part of the uh, the what's brought us to this point right now is the excitement for what we the passion, the love of what we do, and it, it comes through in our, uh, in the way we talk about our business, the way we uh, present the product that we've reclaimed, and and we tell the story. So, you know, nothing short of just giving people the the uh, excitement that we feel for for the business and uh, and the history that it represents. Uh, it really gets people engaged, and and they and they start to understand. You know why we do what we do, and that you know it's 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 a lot more than just grabbing a bunch of old stuff and throwing it in the building. Absolutely, a friend of mine that actually teaches business planning and so forth would refer to those as moments of truth. Every touch point with a prospect or a customer is an opportunity to show that you really mean what you do, and that comes through so loud and clear in the work that you do. And I that's why I really respect your business and and what you're accomplishing here. Robert, you know, you mentioned a moment ago how you started and that it was serendipity and you thought that, you know, at that point in time you really, you know, could do what you were doing. So what challenges did you face as you were growing your business? Because it sounds like you realized it took a little bit more than uh, a house being offered for free and uh, a dump truck. Well, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it's easy to salvage and it's enjoyable too. I mean, it's a challenge. It's, it's fun. You're out in the field getting all this cool stuff and uh, that first house that we we salvaged we were selling things um, to people right there you know somebody came along and bought one of the first uh, tile surrounds of a mantle that we took out and you know the return on investment is pretty big when your overhead is as low as ours was setting up that retail business that is required to actually make it a business yeah uh, that's pretty hard especially from uh from the Mike and Robert standpoint of, hey, neither one of us had ever been in the retail business. And uh, it truly, it, it formed organically from, you know, we're going to be open a couple hours on Tuesdays to, uh, you know, having 30 employees and being open six days a week. All of that, all of that knowledge in the first five or six years was uh, gained organically and uh, just by hit and miss in the, in the hard way, as they call it. Uh, Looking back on it, we must have been crazy. I would probably, I'd probably hire on a few more experts up front than what I did before. But the, you know, the biggest challenge that you find is, is is how much it really takes, how much time it really takes to put into to organize a business like this. And uh, at, at the time, I was running a construction business um, already, so uh, the time management thing is was was fairly difficult. And now we've got a, I got a third job, which is that television show. So that that challenge is uh, forever present as far as dividing your time and giving everybody or every business its its fair share and uh, and your family as well at the same time. Time management. How about for you, Mike? What did you think were some challenges in growing the business? Well, the uh, one thing that Robert kind of hit on is it's. You know we can we can uh, fill our building up two or three times a year with product. The hard part or the challenging part is selling it. Uh, people have to understand that uh, what we've pulled out of these houses has value besides our our 
our sweat and 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 money. So it's an economic um, component that is probably the most challenging is uh, selling the product to people who who want to buy it and are excited about buying it. Um, you know, we're always dealing with wants and needs. You know, you come in, I need a door, but I want a coffee table. You know, those are two different things. And and when somebody says, I need something, I cue in immediately. Let me help you with that need. Hopefully I can fill that, that void. Or I want this, I want something special for a table or I've, I can't find it in a in the in the marketplace and and that's another place that uh, is is a challenge to us and I take that challenge on as a as a positive uh, because that's where I get excited about my business is is providing and repurposing so but the challenges of the business are that of any anybody that's out there starting a a small business and we are a, a small company uh, we started out with just Robert and I then and the dog Molly so we there was three of us. <laughs> and Molly added a lot of value to our to our brand, by the way, and and then we you know picked up employees and and really uh, it it started from from uh, bootstraps and grassroots and uh, and 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 it's been a, a heck of a journey. But uh, any any small business that is trying to do this is always uh, it's always hit with the reality or uh, of what it really takes to make it happen and that's that's yeah. been probably the, our biggest challenge is you know there is a reality to this thing sourcing sourcing materials has never been our problem that you know the real challenge will always be how do we find that buyer to buy you know let them know that this great stuff is here and it's ready you know it's ready for you to you come purchase it and uh and it's no different than any other business it just happens to be that our that our sourcing uh of materials is, uh, you know, we're out there grabbing and going, and and uh, you know, there's a certain price to it, but then we have to house and feed it, and we have to we have to find somebody to sell it to, and we got to reach out. Our market, you know, our local market has always, you know, we we love where we live, and we wouldn't live anywhere else except for when we're, you know, maybe the Caribbean, but the market is fairly small for our type of uh, of product, so we've constantly been working on expanding that brand and expanding our reach and trying to figure out how to reach out across the country and, and farther, um, either through online sales and finally um, just lucked into a television show that uh, that has you know, expanded our reach dramatically. Well, let's talk about that show, Salvage Dogs. And I love the way they spell dogs. It's got such a southern flavor there, D-A-W-G-S. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. How are you supposed to say that? That's dog. Dog. <laughs> dog. You got to roll your a little bit. Dog. Oh, okay. No R in there. Say all. <laughs> kind of gets similar to y'all. Yeah, similar to that, yeah. So tell me, how have things changed for your business since that show has gone live? And especially, what season are you in now? Uh, we're in season seven right now. We're just finished uh, uh, the halfway mark of that particular season. Uh, we've got 85 episodes done, which is uh, just surprises me like you wouldn't believe that it's uh, we've done that many episodes, and uh, and uh, I'm tired. 
it's a it's a it's a lot of work but the the business uh the the, the salvage dog uh platform i call it is has provided a, a a heck of an opportunity for us to to expose really the world to who we are and what we do did i answer the question <laughs> I think so. One of the great things about our, you know, the show is, that we, like we said, we're in production in the middle of season seven. We've already uh, wrapped up six, and and then of course the network has only shown uh, seasons one through five, and they show them over and over again. So the the repeat performance on DIY Network and uh, GAC Network is and across uh, and actually around the world on a lot of their uh, sister networks, travel channels and. Uh, we're on in a lot of different countries, which is pretty interesting. You got to hear us in Italian. We're fantastic, um, but the reach is incredible, and it has had a big impact on on visitors here in Roanoke. Uh, you know, people come by, travel all over the country, and they stop by in some strange on some strange routes from, say, Chicago to to California. Somehow, Roanoke ends up in between there. So it's uh, it's been gratifying to see the response of people who are you know kind of captivated by what we do. It kind of surprises us because, well, let's face it, that's what we do on a daily basis. And they come in the store and are just like, wow, you guys are really here. Yeah, we really are here and we really work <laughs> all the time. So it's uh, it's been fun and it's, it's a great impact from people visiting as well as, you know, buying stuff, which is really the, the point. Exactly. So have you found that it's increased sales for custom items? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've been doing custom items from the beginning. You know, it was a way of adding value to uh, our product. Say, you know, a door is a door. You know, it can be more. Uh, it can be a headboard. It can be a table. It can be uh, wainscot paneling. There's a lot of different. Um, you have to look at it a little bit different. But the custom part of our business has has really grown, and it's starting to become one of our our major. Uh, Profit centers, I should say, because we have a full shop down in our in our basement that uh, that we produce uh, all kind of wood products. Uh, the uh, the metal shop, which we will build you a gate or we'll build you a you know a, a custom a console out of uh, architectural iron that we've either bought or or salvaged. And uh, it's uh, it's that's the fun part of our business. That's the creative part of our business, which. Uh, uh, when somebody comes here, they they see that you know, oh, you guys aren't just a scrapyard. You are um, kind of setting a trend for the repurposing movement and taking this product that has uh, would have been wasted and lost and turning it into a uh, uh, a beautiful piece of furniture that can become an heirloom. Uh, to a family, but it's already got so much history behind it of where it came from that it, you know, it's telling a story in a piece of furniture, and that is truly a, uh, something that we give our, our, our customers that, that really want something that that speaks to them. What's been your favorite salvage project? Uh, my well, favorite. I, oh, oh, go ahead. Go well, you going to tell them your favorite. How about my favorite, Mike? Oh, Robert, you go ahead, buddy. I'll take, I'll <laughs> no, take, take the second. I'll take the second on this. One. <laughs> go ahead. That's, I, I want to see which you one know, is your favorite. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the uh, I've always told people that the first salvage job was our favorite, and that was uh, in 1999. But uh, we just recently did a uh, a pretty incredible house uh, that was going to be torn down up in. Uh, uh, South Central Pennsylvania, 
or southeast Pennsylvania, um, the 19, late 1940s Tudor mansion that uh, it kind of just found itself in the wrong place, but it was built by a builder who uh, who, who knew something about the technology and everything else of, of the day and, and really created himself a nice pad. It was all going to be torn down, so we got got a chance to get in there not I guess about a month and a half ago. A month ago, yeah. And yeah, and it was uh, everything from the roof tiles to the uh, interior trim and and the built-ins and some of the technology that was in it, and even from the nineteen uh, the nineteen early nineteen fifties forties uh, cabinets, all metal cabinets and stuff. It was just an easy way to to uh, the the stuff was ready to pick and it was ready to put in the truck. And uh, although we haven't haven't made any money off of it just yet. I just see a big upside to it, and it was uh, it was good to get in there and save the stuff before you know. Otherwise, its its future was definitely in the landfill, and uh, that's always gratifying when you can you can shortstop that. Well, well, now, my buddy. favorite is yeah. <laughs> thank you, Robert. Thanks, thank you. Sorry, buddy. And I and I I, I, uh, I, I really uh, it's the same thing as uh, what Robert said. You know, uh, my favorite is the one that sells for us you know again people it goes to another home we did a we did a house up in fairmont west virginia uh and it was nothing to look at outside but inside it was incredible and and it you know some of these houses will give up the salvage fairly easy meaning that it was put in properly and not used the guy didn't use too many nails and and that particular house went to utah someone came in and saw that there was some value there and he wanted the whole house but probably one of my uh, favorite was uh, we did a we did an old uh, uh, Navy tug slash um, Coast Guard cutter called the Zuna Tamaroa, and uh, it was the boat that was the actual uh, boat for the perfect storm. It, that and that was a that was a true story that rescued the uh, the Navy helicopter crew. And this boat had seen its life uh, through. It was the last. Uh, it was the last boat afloat that was in Iwo Jima, uh, and, and understanding, you know, naval history and and understanding and you know, appreciating it, and you know, it almost kind of, you know, I know Robert's the same way. It kind of, it kind of brings a tear to the eye that knows the the people who have served it and and the history there, and, and to know that we got an opportunity to go in and reclaim some of those pieces. And uh, and bring them home and repurpose them or sell them out to uh, to people who understood what it is. That was one of my favorite. Um, it was it was hard work. We got to work with a really cool guy that's that is is taking this boat and and it's becoming a it's going to become a reef. And that's coming up here in June. They're gonna they're gonna and I say this with a heavy heart. They're gonna sink her. But she's going to a you know a better purpose. She's just, she's not just being turned into going to a better place. <laughs> she's going to a better place. And she's not being turned into razor blades. So uh, right. you know that that was one of my favorites. I can understand why. There's definitely maintaining the purpose and keeping it alive. Exactly. Oh sure, and we had and we also had a lot of fun on that uh, on that episode simply because uh, we got to go play. We got to role play. I. Uh, uh, like we, we talked about, Mike was an enlisted guy in the Navy, and I was an officer, so uh, he got to bust me up a little bit, and I got to hang out in the wardroom and and uh, and uh, ask Mike for you know see if he wasn't going to clean up around here or whatever. Yeah, Robert, Robert was looking for some service, you know, and I I gave him the service okay. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was uh, that was that was a lot of fun. I hadn't been on a Navy ship in in quite a while, and it was. Uh, it was good to be back on one, even though this one was near the end of her life. 
but you can appreciate the history of it. That was the main thing that this thing had uh, had had been in World War II and at Iwo Jima, and that's uh, you know was that was a, a huge naval battle and land attack and and uh, the pivotal point of of the world of the of the war in the Pacific. So it, you're standing on a piece of history, which was you know really what we do. Well, I can definitely see how that was a very special moment for a number of reasons. And uh, it's good to know that that ship was in good hands with you when it uh, went to its final purpose. When you're doing these episodes with salvage dogs, how does it change when the film crew is there with you as compared to when you're doing a salvage job without them? Mike, you think we work harder? You know, I, I honestly, looking back on it, we've... Uh... Our operational schedule has increased dramatically since uh, we started doing the show because the show depends on a salvage project for each episode, and uh, that fodder you got to have fodder to, to to make a make this television show. And uh, so, if we might do six salvage jobs in a year, we'd be busy um, years ago, and that's an, in itself is a lot of work. Last year we did 26 salvage projects, and uh, and each one of them, you know, we want to obviously we want to get the job done, and we want to we want to create these episodes, and we want also each deal is a is a salvage project, and you know it's a business deal, and uh, we got to get it done. Time is of the essence. Uh, the television folks have a limited uh, attention span when it comes to doing a, a project where. We know it might take five days to get this project done, but I know that they're going to lose interest and get what they need in two, and yet I still have to get this project done. So we've worked harder, and uh, the best thing I can say about the television people that we work with is when we're working, we pretty much ignore them. They document what we do, and otherwise, when we're working together, we have a great time. We have a really a perfect working relationship, I would say. And we do our best work when we don't act like there's a camera there uh, with some, you know, knowing that you got to mind your manners and, and uh, that if we're, if we, if we start cussing a little bit, that that's never, you know, we're wasting our time because there's, that's not going to be on our television shows. So um, we get, right, we get a chance to, come on. we get a chance. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we get, we, we try to be, our, you know, look our best on the thing, but we're, we've got a, a job to do and we get it done and, and it, just so happens, I think, that it's fairly interesting to watch. Well, I can speak for myself and my husband. We love it, and we appreciate that you're tearing up a building instead of each other. <laughs> oh, no, we have our moments. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we're, we are human, and we, uh, we, we, have our, uh, we have emotions like anybody else, but uh, it's, it, it's part of the show, our interaction of how we respect each other, how we work together, how we kind of – poke each other with a little little fun humor and uh sometimes sometimes not so much fun humor but uh <laughs> it's, it, it's really who we are and that's one thing about the show that makes it easy is that we don't have to act it's it's really us and we have a the production company really just uh, trailblazer studios out of raleigh north carolina they follow us and we've got such a good relationship after 85 episodes that it's it's almost second nature uh, we set it up, and then we just go to work, and, and you kind of have to play to the camera, but, you know, we have to get the job done, like Robert said, and that's uh, that's really the reality. I always, I always tell people we put reality back in reality TV. Yeah, not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, there is a 
there's real dynamics here. This is a this is all working relationships. There's five key people on the show, and they're you know we we work together every day, and uh, there's true working relationships. Not not all positive, um, but certainly we respect each other and we try to lead by example. Mike and I do, and and there's not a, a darn thing that we uh, would ask somebody to do that we wouldn't do ourselves. And in fact, most of the time we'll we'll step up and have to do it ourselves instead of putting somebody else in possible danger. But uh, who wants to watch people disrespecting each other? You know. On, take your time out of your day to watch television to watch people be uh rude to each other is uh not something that i'd want to do so therefore i would would hope uh you know that's one of the the, the appeals to the show is is there's not any made-up drama and there's not uh unhealthy relationships i would say exactly exactly it's it's good teamwork and yes every team has its little little hiccups but it all comes across as very good let me ask you, if you had the chance to start your business over again, what would you do differently? What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started in, with that house in 1999? Well, that uh, I'll, I'll take this one, Robert. I'll start it off, and Robert definitely has. I think we both have uh, similar but different opinions about what we do, um, but it all has to do with, with organization and planning. We probably, if we were you know, a true, true business thought out, business we probably would have come in with a business plan uh well we did uh it was a reactive situation that just kind of developed through the years and and um and, and so you know a little more planning of knowing where we want to go instead of where we just might end up you know that that helps a lot and and probably another one would have been if we'd have been more organized in our early days is is figuring out uh, how to fund a business, and that's uh, Robert and I. We always say we're organically funded. That means that Robert and I pull out of one <laughs> pocket and pull it into the other pocket. It's, it's, right. We 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 fund it ourselves, and and of course that's been a that's probably not the best business plan. Yeah. Well, we've had a little help with uh, from uh, First Citizens Bank, uh, but but certainly planning. Planning would have been uh, more robust, I would say. And uh, you know, if if I look back on it, I, you know, of course, if I had the funding figured out up front, I would have hired myself some experts. You know, that that's the one thing. If looking back on it now, if I, I would have invested in somebody who knew something about, if if only the, a retail business, it didn't have to be the salvage business. But uh, that uh, that learning curve has been long and uh involved and it on it goes on today and uh if i'd started out with a little bit more experience in that business or at least hired it on i think we would have been uh i'd, I'd probably have a little bit more hair than i've got right now <laughs> fair He's enough got a pretty head of hair don't let him tell you that <laughs> that's Bravo. why i wear a hat <laughs> it's coming. You'll see me in season seven with a hat on. With sure. a hat on. Okay, we'll be looking for that. <laughs> now, okay, but the thing is, you've powered through. I mean, granted, some of these things might have turbocharged your business more at the beginning, but kudos to you for being persistent and having worked through these particular issues. And the thing is, behind every successful business person, there's usually at least one advisor or mentor, business coach, or influencer of some kind. Could you share one of those with us? Robert, you want to start? Well, I'd say, you know, obviously we've, we've got a, a lot of people that, we, that influenced us uh, 
from the get-go before we started in business, and uh, Mike and I, I think, probably have had a lot of influence on each other, uh, rounding off edges or sharpening them, as uh, as the case may be. But even even through that, I, I, I would think that you know our employees, the people that we've uh, uh, grown the company with, whether uh, it might be my sister Coiner or Krista Stevens, who has been with us for a long time, you learn a lot from each one of them as far as looking at things differently. I can be uh, I can be described as a little hardcore and uh, probably not as uh, feeling with uh, some customers and people along the way, and uh, been taught you know to take a second look by by like Krista who worked with the with worked always reaching out to the community has always been a champion of charitable giving and thinking about you know how how to give back to the community whereas I might be just grinding through the day-to-day business with my head down so you know I I'd, I'd like to say that all our employees along the way and there's been many that have been positive but I've got a few that that have uh, helped quite a bit wonderful and Mike you know as far as uh uh, people who have influenced us and uh, and you know mentors. Um, you know, Robert and I have kind of kind of mentored each other in our own way. You know, again, me with my unruliness, disorganization, funny side, and and Robert with his you know his organization and and uh, 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 the ability to stay on task and 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 see where we need to go. We've we've really complemented each other and. Truly, we, we wouldn't have done it uh, without each other, and that's probably the most important thing is somebody to share uh, the pain <laughs> of a small company with. And that, <laughs> the pain. And the, the the pain. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, there is pain, uh, and and you hope, and 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 in our case, uh, there is reward at the end as well. And and but we're not through with it yet, so it's uh, it's it's an ongoing. Uh, job or ongoing adventure that we're on but you know I've had the ability to work with some pretty influential and, and uh, wealthy f- folks that are self-made in my life and especially in the in the yachting business you know one of them uh, Robert Jepson who's a, a self-made man came from from nothing and built a built a company called Jepson Associates and uh, and I learned you know good work ethic it's always you know you just can't be polite you know, treat people, the old golden rule, you know, treat people like, you know, you would like to be treated. And then uh, another guy I worked with, uh, Dick Jason, who uh, who uh, told me one time, says, Mike, make sure if you start a business that it can run without you. And that's very important because you'll never get away and they will be able to, you'll never be able to move on to uh, the next realm of a business without people around you that can make it operate. And we've got a uh, a, a great staff now. Uh, David Duncanberger is our, our operations manager, and of course Robert mentioned Krista and Corner, and uh, we've got you know great fabricators. So you know you're only as good as the people you hire, um, because they're the ones that are going to be the face and the the influence in the community. And of course my mom, she's 87 years old now, and she raised four kids as a waitress and. You know, just perseverance was is is truly one of the the traits of a of a good person. You know, just you know, do the right thing. You know, stay at task. Try to be happy. 
be a good influence, and, and you just hope that good things will happen from there. It's not guaranteed, but at least you're setting a good base for it. So those are, those are some influences in my life. Very important ones. I think a lot of people can identify with that. You know, we're just about out of time, and I was wondering if you had any parting thoughts for our entrepreneurs who are listening. Robert? <laughs> run, Forrest, run. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I would, uh, I would uh, steer them away from the salvage business unless they like to have a, a, a television show that they can package with it. It's, uh, it's a difficult local business that, uh, that is, uh, like Mike has always said, you know, and and I often say is, is you just got, you got to do the work, and uh, the work is hard that all the things we've talked about just in the last, you know, 30 minutes here is, you know, planning, the planning portion of it, what would we do different? And, and it would be the planning and the learning and the knowledge that uh, we started out because we were too dumb. We didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. Uh, I'd, I'd reach out and, and find yourself some experts and talk to people and, and uh, in the field that you're thinking about before running out into it, prioritize the things that are important, um, but overall, be prepared to uh, put the time in. You know, it's it's uh, it's there's nothing short of uh, you're, you know there's very few people there that have overnight success. Our our overnight success took 16 years, and uh, I'm looking to be more successful if I can if I can be because right now it's it's not enough. So planning, please. Yeah, one thing that I I uh, would would part to people that have. Uh, you know, the startup fever and want to be a, an entrepreneur and start your own businesses, make sure that you're realistic about where you want to go with it, where you want to be. You know, uh, is it, you know, I just want to make a living and, and, and give, you know, do I want to, you know, build a retirement for myself and my employees? Be realistic about that and, and, and try not to, don't lie to yourself, you know, because a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there got great ideas, but they're they're not they're not being honest with themselves about what it's going to take to to start a business. And I mean, we're not we're not painting a real pretty picture, but it's a realistic picture of what it takes to do to to start from scratch and and build. And there's a lot of success stories out there, but there's probably more failures. And so be honest with yourself about where you want to go. Follow your passion. That's uh, that's what's going to carry you through when the times are lean and, and and the business is tough. Is that you still love what you do, and and that'll carry you through uh, a lot of uh, a lot of dark days or a lot of a lot of sleepless nights. And 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 you wake up the next day and you have a different you have a passion for it. So you know you can't you can't. Uh, you know, short circuit that, and and the passion and the realism, uh, the realistic goals are are really probably the most important thing. Besides, you know, making sure you're you're covering your payroll. <laughs> so there's, there's definitely and you're insured. Definitely. And you're insured. Yeah, there's a I mean, the the fundamentals of of business are taught, uh, but you know, uh, they're seldom learned. Uh, we learned them the hard way, Robert, probably more than me, but. Uh, uh, we we're very fortunate to be where we are today, and uh, uh, and it didn't come by accident. I just want everybody to know that it came with hard work and perseverance and and some some luck. I mean, you can't you can't uh, you can't underestimate a little little uh, good fortune. Absolutely. 
Mike, Robert, this has been terrific. I'd like to thank you gentlemen for sharing your journeys with us. The one on TV in Salvage Dogs, which I hope continues for many seasons, and the one in real life at Black Dog Salvage in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. I'm grateful for your time, the advice you shared with our listeners, and for all that you do to save the craftsmanship of bygone errors. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, thank you, Hannah. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Keltner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com, and connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then. <music>